This is Jade. This is Carly. And this is Mommy's Tell All. Hi, Jade. Hey, Carly. Jade, my hormones are crazy right now. Yeah, welcome to the club. (laughs) (laughs) I told Evan, I feel like I've said this on the podcast before, but I told him not to talk to me today. Just because I was like, it's not safe. (laughs) That's valid, though. Like, if it's not safe, he probably should stay away, right? Yeah, because at least I'm not, like, going to be mean. I think that's actually an act of kindness. See, I'm so (laughs) kind. Don't talk to me. I'm so nice. (laughs) Is that a thing? Uh, We were in an interview the other other day, and Evan was like, yeah, we like to spend a lot of time apart during her pregnancy. I I read that, actually. I was like, that, is that good or bad advice for people? I don't. I guess it depends on the person. It totally does because pregnancy is so different for everybody, and I'm kind of the same way. I'm kind of like, don't touch me. Yeah, I just want my space. I, yeah, I have somebody constantly in my space already, twenty four seven. Right, and I feel hot, and I feel like I can't breathe, and so I so hot. Yeah, I'm just always so hot, and you feel so bad when you're like, hey, can you just like leave me alone today? And which is every day. Yeah, which is like all day, every day. Don't touch me. But like, it's so hard, and I, I wish know. they could feel what it feels like inside our bodies. I know the only way, like. I mean, one thing I've always wanted to do is have Tanner and Evan do that thing where they're hooked up to the machine that makes them feel labor pains. I want to do that so but bad. But then Evan would be like, you've never felt these either. <laughs> Which is because I haven't. Because oh. you have, because you did natural and I didn't. But you still, but you, you don't get an epidural until like a certain point, right? That's like true. you still felt. I had some contractions. That's yeah, true. you did. But um, they will never be able to feel like the emotions. And the hotness. I was on the flight here. And I was like, Evan, I'm so hot. I'm just so hot. <laughs> and he's like, I'm freezing. That's horrible. <laughs> it's like, oh, it is just me. We're, oh, we're, that's why they call it bun in the oven. Right? We're, we're it, baking a baby and oh our whole body gosh, is I on fire. I never thought of that. <laughs> my brain doesn't really work uh, either. I've been so emotional too and like irritated at everything. Yeah. I think I talked about it in our Facebook group, but I feel like I have supersonic hearing for people's chewing noises oh, while pregnant. God. Yes. And tanners Ugh. are the worst. Like, I feel like I need to turn music on when we're eating every Ugh. meal. Yeah. And I feel bad because I, like, comment on it every time. But honestly, I think just because he's not in the workforce anymore, he's kind of been <laughs> staying home, that I think right. all his manners have gone out the window oh, and his no. chewing has gotten worse. So I'm like, is it me or are you just really horrible now? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Evan was eating cereal the other day. He was sharing cereal with Bella and the way he was sh- shoveling it into his mouth, I was like, you look like a dinosaur eating. Like, <laughs> you need to slow down. That's not attractive. Was it like a, a small, like, T-Rex arm where it's like... I don't know. It was something weird and bad. It was, like, too forceful or something. Like, I don't know. It was a passionate eating. And I was like, you don't teach her that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our poor men, but also our poor selves. I know. <laughs> also, like... This is so dumb. So the other day I posted in a bathing suit and my, like, I've, I've talked about this before. My boobs are huge. Like, they're really big right now. But my bump, I'm 20 weeks. My bump is still, I mean, it's a bump, but it's not, like, huge. And everyone's bump is different. And, like, let me yeah. show off what my bump is, you know? And people are like, your bump isn't even that big. Why are you showing, like, you have a bump? And I'm like, that's just rude. That's so weird. It's That's like, so weird. People feel like they have to comment on how not big my bump is. That's weird. Well, everybody's body is different and people pop, you know, like when they talk about the term, yeah. oh, you've popped. Right. Popped at different times. And it's because it's like when your uterus is big enough that it extends over your hip bones mm. and, it, and then it like pops out. Oh, that makes sense. So, You're so smart, so Jade. You, Wherever your baby is being carried in your body or where your placenta is, yeah. you could be, you could be having, the baby could be sitting really far back and it's not over your hips yet. Yeah. So that's just what's probably or happening or maybe you're, whatever, like people should not be commenting it's on that. It's so weird. I just, that makes people, and it makes you feel like so, like, and in, like invalid. You yeah. Know, like my body is not good enough to 
be approved for by you. Yeah, and it makes me feel like, am I not a good mom because my belly isn't big enough for this baby I'm carrying? Like, is the baby okay? Like, because I'm yeah. not big enough? Like, it's giving me all these weird feelings. Well, I hear that all the time because I see women who say that or the opposite where people are like, Oh, what is in there? Twins? Rude, yes. (laughs) And it's like, no, there's just one. Like, just don't comment on it then. Yeah. Just leave it alone. Leave me alone. I mean, they should just say you look beautiful because you do. Oh, thank you. So do you. Thank you. (laughs) I do feel like this baby is like sitting like lower or something because I feel like it's constantly like kicking me in like the butt or the like Mm. hoo-ha. Do you get, wait, 20 weeks. I don't think you feel hiccups yet, right? I don't feel that. I just feel that like I'm feeling movement right now or like kind of kicky things, but not like, not the big things yet. Hiccups it's, are so funny. I, I forgot. Bella had hiccups all the time. Yeah. I love, they're so funny. But no, you're at the point where it, the kicks are like cute. You know, oh, you're yeah. like, oh, that's cute. Right. Now I'm at the point where I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big one. Ouch. But my baby sits low too and... I, the hiccups are like the way he's facing. He's facing right, actually, oh. where his face is like towards my right hip was what they've been telling me. But um, when I when he hiccups, I feel them in my b-hole. Oh, and I'm like, that weird. is a strange sensation. To Like, it's like, boop. Oh, weird. Mine boop. are way more forward than that. I mean, not hiccuping, but like yeah. the things that happen. Mm. Mine's not really technically in my butt. I think I said that, but it's not that far back. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. Yeah. Well, How many weeks are you now? Oh, gosh. I'm 34 weeks. Gosh. You're like right there. I know. Oh, my gosh. I know. That's crazy. But um, I think when I, I had to go to a specialist because he had some swelling on his kidneys. Which oh, yeah, yeah. actually is really common, I guess, with boy babies. Okay. And it all got cleared up. He said everything looks great. The baby's perfect. But my placenta is anterior. And mm. you have a 50-50 chance, I guess, of having a anterior or posterior placenta. Weird. And so mine attached to the front. And because of that, um, he has a higher chance of being what they call sunny side up. And what does that mean? That means when the baby is coming through the birth canal, that their face is upwards. Oh. And you can get like back labor. <gasps> and the baby's face sometimes can get really bruised by your oh. pubic bone. Interesting. Yeah. And um, I... Instagram messaged a bunch of people. Have you ever delivered a sunny side up baby? And the answers were terrifying. Like everyone oh was like, it's so painful. Oh gosh. And so my midwife recommended me to see a chiropractor <gasps> to try to open my hips up and maybe Whoa. he'll shift. Interesting. So now I'm like deciding, do I do that? Or? I do it, man. I don't it's know. It's so much know. work. It is so much work. Like thinking about going to a chiropractor three times a week thinking now. Thinking about doing one more thing at all I know it's a lot of work so I'm like can you just turn in there little baby please just turn Love you. just talk really nice to him every <laughs> single night can you just make your way just a little just just turn just a little bit come on come on just turn, just like put I some also, chocolate over this on I, this side I well I also sleep more on my right side through the night and I know you're supposed to sleep on your left so it's probably my fault but I I don't think so does that mean he will be rebellious? <laughs> no, mom, I'll only be in this way. You I never make know. up my own mind. They're mine and Tanner's kids, so. Oh, my gosh. You never It's know. very exciting, though. I can't <laughs> believe you're there. That's, like, so many weeks. That just boggles my mind. This has gone very fast. It has, and then it hasn't. Like, I, I feel like I've been pregnant forever, which I feel yeah. like probably every pregnant woman feels like. Yeah. But then at the same time, I'm like, he could be here tomorrow, and that's crazy. That's crazy. So. Yeah. I can't believe I'm halfway. I know. I feel like mine has gone fast. But then maybe this will be like the slow roll. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. Ah. Um, Okay, (laughs) let's talk about who we have on today. Yeah, actually, we have a really exciting guest. I'm excited to have her on. We have Dr. Jolene Brighton, who is a hormone specialist. And she's really passionate about talking about birth control and what it can do to our bodies as women, especially if we've been on it for a really long time and the side effects that control maybe are, you know, or have a, an effect on if we're trying to conceive or if we're experiencing acne or skin problems or, mm. you know, even like m- mental stuff, like emotional stuff. 
And she's all about that. And she's here to tell us like what we can do to get our hormones back in balance so we can live whole lives as women. Oh my gosh, a whole life. That would be really nice. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to talk to her. When we get back from the break, we will have Dr. Jolene Brighton on. So Carly, have you ever bought something online only to find out that you later missed a discount with it and you're so upset? Oh my gosh, I have. And it's one of the most frustrating things in the world. But you know what I actually found to cure this problem? I found Honey. Honey is a free browser add-on that allows me to find the best deals online. I just found a video baby monitor for our next baby and I saved $43.75 on it using Honey. Holla. Isn't that crazy? I would have been spending $43 more if I hadn't used this app. And also, Honey has 10 million members who save on average on a purchase $28.61. Wow. Which is nuts. I mean, that adds up. That adds up big time. They've already saved over $800 million between the 10 million members. Not bad for something that's completely free and just takes two clicks to install. And look, there's really no reason to not use Honey. Do you like saving money? I know I do. So you got to use this. You will save money. And it's free to use, easy to install on your computer, just two clicks. So shop with confidence and get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash mommies. That's joinhoney.com slash mommies. Honey, the smart shopping assistant that saves you time and money when you're shopping online. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Um, Yes, that's a yes for me. Me too. (laughs) If so, BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are specialized in issues such as depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, grief, self-esteem, and more. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment, which is what I love the most about BetterHelp. And anything you share is confidential and it's so convenient. You can now get help at your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. If you're not happy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time and no additional charge. And best of all, it's truly affordable option. And for Mommies Tell All listeners, they get 10% off your first month with discount code MOMMIES. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash mommies. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them access your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. So check this out, betterhelp.com slash mommies. Right now we have the beautiful Dr. Jolene Brighton with us to talk all about hormone. She's a hormone specialist. She wants to talk all about birth control and hormones. And gosh, I'm interested to talk about libido and sex and all of the women topics that we I don't know we touch on sometimes but never actually get the real answers to Well, I think it's just I mean so many women probably have used the pill in their lifetime oh yeah and it just the side effects that we all have experienced personally and that's skin moodiness fatigue fertility sex I mean there's so many parts as a woman that we're all like, you know, we have so many different like layers and it's all being affected. And a lot of the times those things are because of our hormones. Oh, yeah. I So, yeah. I mean, every day I look at Evan and I say, don't talk to me today. I'm hormonal. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're we, pregnant. That's true. <laughs> and you get to say that. He doesn't. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Evan, you cannot use that excuse. But why don't you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself and so our listeners can know exactly who you are. Sure. So I'm Dr. Jolene Brighton. I'm a women's hormone expert. I have a background in nutritional and biochemical and clinical nutrition and then became a naturopathic doctor, which is a doctor who is trained in both the allopathic approach, which is like pharmaceuticals and knowing when someone's going to die and making sure that doesn't happen. That's very important, but also knows how to navigate the space between of how do we bring you off of pharmaceuticals? Is it really the best intervention for you? And we're always focused on the root cause, which if anybody listening has a three-year-old and your child asks why all the time, that's pretty much what naturopathic doctors do. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. pretty much I'm like, oh, yeah, 
the why phase for me was totally telling that I was going to have this career. I just didn't know it yet. (laughs) Yeah. So I authored a book called Beyond the Pill, which is a book aimed at really providing comprehensive hormone guidance to women and offering them solutions beyond birth control. Um, I think everybody listening has probably had the experience. You go into your doctor and you're like, I have a lady part problem. And they're like, hey, there's a pharmaceutical for that. We could just shut down your entire reproductive system and pretend like that never mattered and call it a day. And the reality is, is that I did the pill for 10 years. I'm very grateful that we have access to it. I'm a first generation college student. However, I really wish someone would have let me know that it impacts every single system of your body. And it was really, you know, I came off of the pill. I developed post-birth control syndrome. I'm sure we're going to get into that. And I got the reputation with my patients as being the doctor who believed women's birth control stories. And it was a moment, it was, a, you know, it was very healing for me to be new in practice as a doctor and recognizing that what my doctor had told me was normal was common, but never normal. And what my doctor had dismissed is something that just doesn't happen to you, but or to anyone else but you and made me feel like a freak. It's actually a common theme in women's medicine. So what I really set out to do is to give women the information that we all should have gotten before we ever had a period and get to know our bodies and help them troubleshoot. If you've got this problem, this is what you can do about it. And if you do use birth control, here's how to stay safe on it, when to talk to your doctor and what labs they should monitor. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I totally, I totally messed up my body on birth control. I was often on a million different kinds for years and years and years. Actually, right before I got pregnant with my daughter, I transition from the pill to IUD. Mm -hmm. I was depressed. I was, I mean, I was not myself at all. Mm -hmm. And, and not only was I experiencing pain, but I just was like, I've lived, gosh, yeah, since college on all forms of birth control. And I have never felt even mentally myself, Mm -hmm. physically myself. I feel like so many people experience that, but they don't, they don't know what to do to prevent pregnancy or or they don't know if they're on the pill how to feel normal. Mm-hmm. What's your suggestion, let's say, for a person who, who d- doesn't know what's right for them, the pill or not? Mm-hmm. Well, I think a very important thing we need to talk about is that when we're talking about hormonal birth control, understand it's not just the pill. And often women will say, well, I got the IUD, so that must be better. Well, we used to think that um, medicine also... Well, a lot of doctors still contend that the uterus is like this vacuum container and anything that goes in doesn't move out. Mm. So like the progestin doesn't go anywhere else, but there's problems in the studies. They're flawed. They're not looking at metabolites and things like that. But what we came to understand out of recent research that came out in 2016 is that the combination pill, which is the most commonly prescribed, most commonly used, Mm -hmm. that if you start that... Uh, you have about a 23% risk of being prescribed an antidepressant, which is to say this no is new onset depression. Yeah. So this is very concerning. Uh, we can't say causation, but there's so much with the birth control. I want women to understand that, you know, in medicine and in science, we have this saying causation, you know, correlation is not causation. And so we can't say causation a lot with birth control. And yet, it does impact. So just because it doesn't directly, it isn't like you take birth control and that causes your depression, Mm -hmm. doesn't mean it isn't contributing to things that lead to depression, like nutrient depletions, Mm. free radicals in your brain, um, neurotoxins being built up in your brain, inflammation, gut dysbiosis. Any of those things can lead to mood alterations Mm -hmm. altogether. But what these studies have shown us is that when they gave women the progestin-only pill, which we tend to only give in postpartum because it's a higher uh, risk of clots if you are giving a combination pill postpartum. So we tend to give the mini pills, what it's called postpartum. It's over 30% more likely to be prescribed an antidepressant, which gave me pause when that study came out. And I said, okay, hold up. So how many moms have postpartum depression? And we know that there is a phenomenon known as postpartum thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune thyroid condition that develops. About one in 12 women worldwide will get that. That can contribute to depression 
And yet hormonal birth control can also impact the thyroid and maybe playing a role in this. And so that's not to say that I have a study to say, yes, if you are a new mom, this progestin will cause depression. But if you start that and you end up with mood symptoms, that warrants a discussion with a doctor who's going to take you seriously that that's your mood symptoms. But what if you don't want to get pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. Because in my book, I mean, I've had women say, I don't want to read your book because I don't want to know how bad it is. I'm like, okay, look, you can be an ostrich all day. It doesn't mean you're not going to get eaten. Like, you're still going to get eaten. Like, you can't do that. And you really... I have a saying where I'm like, you've got to take the reins and drive that chariot like the goddess you are because nobody's going to know the direction you need to Mm -hmm. go. It's going to be you living in your body, knowing the best decision for you. And in chapter 13 of my book, I go through all the non-hormonal birth control options we have right now available. Copper AUD is one that it works for, you know, most women, but not all women. So you always have to view it through the lens of like, what's true for you? But it is of all the contraceptive devices we have available That one is one that women love the most. When it works for them, it works. We also have fertility awareness method, which is something that when I was taught about it, I was taught like, don't teach women this. They're going to get pregnant. (laughs) But when I got in the research, I was like, hold up. With perfect use, it rivals the pill. It's over 99% effective, especially when you partner it with femtech devices like Natural Cycles or Daisy that's available. So fertility awareness method, I think, is so important for every woman to learn whether or not that's her primary way of preventing pregnancy, because this is the best way to know your body. You're tracking all of your symptoms. You will know when things are not normal for you. Mm -hmm. Things that are not normal and diseases that are brewing, those symptoms show up well before labs will show us anything, which is why it's so important for you to be dialed in. And I think most women don't realize, I certainly didn't realize until I ended up, I was on the pill. I had a ruptured ovarian cyst. I went into the ER. They checked me for pregnancy. They're like, this could be an ectopic pregnancy. And I was like, I don't know, 21, 22. And I was like, why do I need a pregnancy test? I'm on the pill. And the nurse laughed at me. And she was like, that thing is not that effective. And I'm like, wait, what? what? Like, oh hold on. Because it's 91% effective with typical use. And what's typical use? The way we actually use it. And believe me, in my 20s, I'm like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> right. and, and I had the same problems where I was like switching pills and I'd mm-hmm. break through bleeding. I'd have depression. I'd have all these right. symptoms. And the solution was just like... Do you want to have a baby? No. Okay, let's just keep switching things. I had heavy, painful periods. I bled for like eight days. So grateful to have the pill. Would have been much better had somebody come to me and said, you likely have estrogen dominance and elevated prostaglandins. And your answer is, is that you need to eat your broccoli, like your mama said, and (laughs) take your magnesium and your fish oil and make Mm -hmm. sure that like you're nourishing your body. And that's the problem is that when we prescribe hormonal birth control to treat a symptom without asking why, we can be doing a lot of harm. And what is the first tenet of being a doctor? Do no harm. Like we don't want to do harm. Right. Yet if you're a woman with PCOS and you have irregular periods, your doctor passes you the pill and says, hey, now everybody, I'm going to do air quotes. Your period is fixed. That's a withdrawal bleed. That's not a period. There was no ovulation. So you're just withdrawing from a medication. Oh my God. And your symptoms of PCOS are rooted in a metabolic disorder. You have inflammation and blood sugar dysregulation and you are at higher risk of a heart attack, stroke, high cholesterol, hypertension, which is high blood pressure, all of which hormonal birth control can cause in a normal woman. And not that PCOS is not normal, okay? I shouldn't have said normal woman, but the average woman. Mm -hmm. Sorry, sorry, PCOS ladies. I don't want to be dissing you. (laughs) Wow, I had no idea. And we have a lot of people talk about PCOS in our um, Facebook group as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super common. And it presents, like the thing that drives women to the doctor are the hormonal symptoms. Now, mm-hmm. the hormonal symptoms are there. They're not the root cause of the condition. And so what we really need to do in PCOS is that we need to optimize blood sugar. We need to optimize insulin sensitization. We now understand, and I talk about all of this in my book. So if anybody's like furiously taking notes, definitely rewind, listen to this again. <laughs> but you can also check out my book where I go through how do you really restore your metabolism and drop the inflammation how do you fix your gut because i mean like every condition is rooted in the gut right you know hippocrates said that when and now we have science validating it being like look what we discovered i'm like dude we knew this Mm -hmm. like we just have to remember that like we don't our methodologies of research are limited and we can't prove everything and we can't afford to prove everything and i would even argue we really never prove anything we demonstrate and we show and why i use that language rather than prove is because prove means we close the book we're done we file it away 
Science never proves. Science demonstrates and shows because, we're, if anything, what we're trying to prove is that we were wrong before and that maybe, that maybe there's something we missed or something that we didn't know. But with the case of polycystic ovarian syndrome, you know, if these women choose to use hormonal birth control, there's particular labs, and I go through the whole list in my book, they need to have monitored. They need to know that they're at higher risk for these cardiovascular events because, you know, how fair is it to trade acne for a stroke, like, and never be told that that's what you were doing? It's not fair. You need that information. That's terrifying, actually. so scary. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And when you, and like that, that's the metabolic, reversing metabolic mayhem chapter. That was the hardest chapter for me to write because it's about cancer, stroke, heart attacks, cholesterol, blood pressure. And that's not fun stuff to talk about. And at the same time, it's scary. And when I wrote this book, I didn't want to scare anyone in one direction or the other. Really wanted to present information and let women know they can be supported either way. Because the big problem is so many of our decisions in medicine are fear-based. They're really, I mean, in women's medicine, we're making decisions because we're scared of having acne. We're scared of having hair loss. We're scared of never getting pregnant. We're scared of getting pregnant. And sadly, most of us don't even know how our fertility works until we do want to get pregnant. And I've had so many patients say, if I knew how hard it was to get pregnant, I don't think I would have ever done birth control all the years that I did it. Because the reality is, your egg lives 24 hours. Sperm can live five to six. They're tricky like that. But you got a week max that you could get pregnant in a month. Mm-hmm. And yet we medicate ourselves every single day and shut off what I would argue is our superpowers. I mean, and I'm not judging anybody or finger wagging. Like, believe me, I did this for 10 years. But your hormones in your menstrual cycle literally give you superpowers. There are times where our brains, now our brains... In general, they function differently than men in a lot of ways better than men. Um, So the thing that's interesting is there has been some studies to show that, you know, you always hear like, oh, people can't multitask. They can't multitask. Multitasking is bad. Yeah, because they're studying men. Go study a woman. (laughs) True. A a woman. (laughs) Right? Boom. (laughs) But like during your period, like we all get told like your period makes you the lesser and you should dread it and you should hate it. And it's a punishment and all these these stories of like, I know men made this up because I don't know what they are talking about. <laughs> but your brain, both lobes of your brain actually communicate stronger. So your left and right lobe are just like talking away. You can troubleshoot things so much better. You're analytical, yet you're emotional and you can tie those in. Um, in addition, there's studies that have shown that when women have had babies. So are you guys in your third trimester yet? Um, I'm 30 weeks. Yeah. Okay. I'm in my second. (laughs) Yeah. So your brain is starting to shrink in your third trimester and it's a great evolutionary mechanism. It's going to shrink and it's going to stay and it's, it's going to stay hyper-focused on baby survival. Like that's, what's going to happen here. Then at six months, your brain's going to start coming back. So fuel it now, DHA, which is an omega three all day, every day, hit that DHA. But with that at six months, your brain's coming back online. It's growing and expanding. You actually have built new neuronal pathways. And what's amazing about that is your natural hormones are helping you do that. Synthetic birth control hormones don't do that. They actually impede neuroplasticity. They don't benefit you in the same way. But your multitasking skills will be on point. Women who have had children um, and have gone through birth through the postpartum phase, they actually are better at multitasking than the general population, which I think is amazing. And it has to do with those hormonal changes and just the wisdom of mama nature. She's got your back. Oh, yeah. I definitely believe in the power of a woman's intuition. Oh, 100%. Even like the other day, I was um, sitting down on the couch and my daughter was playing and she was on this beanbag and I was doing something and she started to tip over and I reached over and I just grabbed her ankle and my mother-in-law was like, how did you know she was falling? I was like, I don't know. I just knew. My brain was multitasking, (laughs) being aware of her and on my computer doing some work. And it's it's really cool. Like you said, it's just like this powerful thing that we possess. Yeah, Yeah, totally. No, I, and I totally agree with you on the point of women's intuition. And some people will argue that it's just, you know, what we're integrating, you know, in our brain that's not even at the conscious level that then is being communicated with us as we lead up um, into, you know, coming into the luteal phase. So after you ovulate and coming near your period, you know, your intuition and your communication skills can really heighten in that time. There's this idea where they're like, oh, there was this, you know, tent they put women because when they were bleeding, Mm -hmm. they were like, you know, they were dirty and unclean. No, uh, actually the veil between, you know, whatever powers that be, you want to call it God, goddess, whatever, 
And like our earthly body, it was so much thinner and like we could actually communicate things. And so we were there to bring back wisdom to the tribe and not to have the static of all those people around us, which, so if you're a woman and you find leading up to your period, you want to isolate and you're like, I don't want to go out with friends and I'm kind of tired. Well, yeah, I mean, you're about to shed an organ that you grew, your endometrial lining of your uterus, you know, all of that, there's wisdom in that. And the problem is not you. The problem is society, which is designed by men for men that doesn't hold space. I mean, geez, we're sitting in the United States and they give us six weeks of maternity leave. Like, what is that even about? <laughs> oh, because like your uterus shrinks to like the size it was when you got pregnant. So therefore at six weeks, you must be fine. Okay, but hold up. Did it not take me almost an entire year to change my body and grow this human? That makes no sense. You don't need a research study to be like, that's not even logic. Like just stop with that. But that's so much of like what women think are wrong with them or how they're broken or they can't keep up. It's not that. It's that you're a cyclical creature living in a very stagnant society that expects you to be the same all day, every day. You're not. You're never the lesser. Your hormones never make you the lesser, but there are points where you have strengths. You have, you're stronger at certain times. And like, certainly um, if you're a mom, you, you kick ass at multitasking. And if you're not a mom, you might be good at it. And if you don't ever want to have a baby, that's not a reason to go have a baby. <laughs> but just know that like, that's, that's what we see from the research. But also I've seen this so much in my patients as well. And I experienced that myself as I went through having a child and it's my my personality type with my Myers-Briggs is like, um, the description is like, you're the like professor who is lecturing and simultaneously writing your book in what, your head. What is your Myers-Briggs? I can't remember what it is in terms of Myers-Briggs exactly, but I do the 16 personalities. Yeah. I'm the debater. The debater. Which <laughs> I'm like, if you look at the images, and I'm very logical, and I very, I love solving puzzles. It's why mm. I am a great doctor, and why, um, not to do my own horn there, but <laughs> why, like, in something like this, people have, I've had doctors reach out to me and be like, whoa, your thyroid chapter and how you took all that different research and put it together to like paint that whole picture of the complete way that birth control impacts your thyroid. Like I've never seen that anywhere before. And I'm like, ask my husband how many weekends I was locked in my office being like, I have to like, I, I have to like put this together. And, and that's exactly what it's like. It's a bunch of puzzle pieces. And I'm like, I'm not satisfied until I have put them all together. But yeah, when you know that about me, you can know why. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really a super nerd. Um, and the funny thing is I was telling a, a friend of mine about uh, the the game of... Uh, so for the Game of Thrones people, I'm Tyrion Lannister. Yeah, And I'm like, this is... I'm like, I was talking to my friend because I was like, you know, I do all these practices to get in my body, like Qigong and grounding meditations and all this stuff. And I'm like, I have to do that. Like Tyrion's character, like the, like part of him being a dwarf is kind of this irony of like, he, not, he didn't really need the body. Like he's so up in his head. And like, that's the way I can be too. I got to pull it down. Um, but yeah, so my friends are always like, she drinks and she knows things. I'm like... Like, yeah, sparkling water all day. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, I also want to talk to you about post-birth control syndrome. So oh, because it's not really discussed a lot in mainstream Western medicine. And I know, so say there are women out there who are wanting to get off birth control. Mm -hmm. But like after your body's been on it for so long, what do you experience? And like, how can you, how can you function as your body's adjusting or yeah. I mean, anything that you suggest. Totally. So it's a really big myth that you can just come off birth control and everything will go back to normal. And I bet there are so, you're nodding your head. I bet there's so many women nodding their head right now. I never, you can see my skin. I don't have acne. Um, I have a little zit there. I was leaning on my chin the other day. I was like, why do you do that? Um, <laughs> but with that, I never had issues with acne. Like the teenager zit here and there. When I came off of birth control, I had cystic acne. Like first time in my life, I lost my period. Now, my doctor was like, you probably have PCOS. That's what's going on. And you're misremembering your periods. They were they were irregular to start. And I'm like, no. When you count down that calendar like doomsday, knowing your period's about to take you out and you're going to be like writhing in pain, you know your periods are regular. So I'm like, no, I had three years of regular periods, 10 years on the pill. I come off and lost my period. Cystic acne, when my period came back, Oh Lord, it was like a scene of Carrie. And I talk about this in my book where I bled through my chair 
and in in med school, and that was like, oh my god, it took me right back to being like fourteen. Mm. And like when I was fourteen, we rocked sweatshirts around our waist, like it was cool. We ditched the fanny packs, and then we had the Stussy sweatshirts around our waist. And thank God that was a trend because my period like always held me hostage. So with post birth control syndrome. If you understand that hormonal birth control impacts every single system in your body, then you can understand that you can present with a wide array of symptoms when you come off and that the symptoms that you experience generally really hit like months later. So like four to six months after coming off of birth control, which your doctor will often say, well, if it was going to happen, it would have happened immediately and it would be isolated to your reproductive system because that's what they've been taught. Now, your natural hormones interplay with every single system in your body. So why wouldn't this synthetic stuff do the same? And why have we never actually done a study to ask the question, what in the heck happens to a woman's body when you shut down her reproductive system for decades on end and never allow her to ovulate? There, these studies don't exist. We understand now there's alterations that happen in the female brain, yet we haven't done the research to really understand. You know, if 98% of women have at some point used hormonal birth control and over 66% of the Alzheimer's population is women, maybe we should ask that question. Maybe we should investigate what's going on. And so I say this because it's very important that you never let your doctor dismiss you. There is a really well-recognized phenomenon of gaslighting that happens in women's medicine. Now, it happens just about everywhere. It seems these, uh, that we're all waking up to this, but where you'll, your, your doctor will be like, no, you're not really remembering it right, or, oh, that's not possible. This is why you write down your symptoms. So if you are on birth control, write down your symptoms, document it and quantify it. So um, if you say something like heavy periods, for example, your doctor's gonna be like, okay, so you're saying you have heavy periods. Maybe they don't take you totally seriously. They should follow up with questions, but maybe they're behind in their schedule and they're trying to get out the door into the next room. So with that, if you say, you know, I'm bleeding through a tampon every single hour for like two to three days out of my period, your doctor's going to slow their roll. That's quantifiable data. That's measurable data. Same with period pain. Women, uh, it's well-recognized medical gender bias exists. Women are dismissed at a higher rate than men, and especially when it comes to pain. So when women with endometriosis often struggle for ever before they get somebody to really pay attention. If you go in and say, you know, on a scale of one to 10, 10 is like the worst pain I've ever experienced. And my periods are like nine out of 10. And then, you know, the days leading up to it are like seven out of 10. Your doctor's going to listen a lot more and understand that. Now, when you come off of birth control, you want to chart and you want to document things as well. And for you, you know, these days we have these smartphones, just tap it into your calendar. What do they feel like today? You can get a period app if you don't want to, or if you want to, but I know a lot of women are wary because they are data collecting on on us. And I hear that but you can just use your app. You can use a little calendar, whatever works for you. So understand what your symptoms are. And then you need to start doing some work. So if you're on birth control right now, diet is non-negotiable. It is depleting nutrients like B12, folate, zinc, magnesium, selenium, CoQ10, vitamin A, vitamin C. Do I need to keep going? It's a lot. You need to be on a multivitamin or prenatal. Prenatals are not just for women who want to get pregnant. You won't get pregnant just because you take a prenatal, by the way. <laughs> I've had that question where women are like, I don't want to take a prenatal because it'll get me pregnant. I'm like, not actually how that works. Huh? You'll actually have better hair, skin, and nails. <laughs> That's how that'll work. Oh, hey, speaking of vitamins. So we all know how important prenatal multivitamins are when you are pregnant. It is so important for yourself and for your baby and I know that prenatal gummy vitamins are taking off, but New Chapter has perfect prenatal multivitamins that are better for you. There's no sugar, no gelatin, with pure whole food fermented ingredients for you and your growing miracle. They're also fermented for better nutrient absorption, which is amazing. And they have beneficial probiotics and whole foods to make it super easy to digest and so gentle on your stomach, you can take it any time, even on an empty stomach. I know that when I used to take vitamins, I just felt like I was like doubled over in pain because they just, ew, they just don't set well. But these really, really do. And they're made from the finest organic vegetables and herbs. And they're 100% vegetarian and gluten-free. Yay for me because I am gluten-free. And you can find new chapter at the Vitamin Shop, Whole Foods, or at your local health food store. So I actually use new chapter vitamins. I take the prenatal and their, um, it's not vitamin D, it's their, 
Omega-3. Yeah, it's their Omega-3. It's like organic, wild-caught Alaskan salmon. Oh, yes. And it's the kind that you take and you don't burp up the fishy taste afterwards. So that's a plus. That's a way plus because that is disgusting. Yeah, and then I actually take a probiotic. So I take them every night and I do notice a difference. And if you guys want to try them, you can find them again at the Vitamin Shop, Whole Foods, or your local health food store. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. But a prenatal or multivitamin to replenish the nutrient stores and then making sure that you're aiming to eat at least six servings of vegetables a day is really key. It's not going to happen every day. I'll own it right now. I'm traveling in LA. I'm going to try to hit four today. Like that's going to be my goal of hitting four servings of vegetables. But that way you've got fiber coming in to help with estrogen metabolism. Include cruciferous vegetables every day to support liver detoxification of those hormones and feed that microbiome. Those good gut bugs are taking a hit while you're on birth control. So you need to be doing all that now and as you transition off. And in my book, I have recipes. I have a 30-day meal plan for you. I have a whole, you get into chapter one and there's a whole quiz in there that's like, okay, what, what are your symptoms? Pick the top five to 10 symptoms you go to a doctor with and then we go right into a protocol. So if you're like, I don't have time to read a whole book. Don't worry about that. I don't have time to read a whole book straightforward either. And as I told my publishers, listen, if we give women this quiz in chapter one and then we say to them, oh, now read 200 pages and then like I'll give you the answers. You have estrogen dominance. You're going to rip the book in half. You're going to curse my (laughs) name. You're going to throw it across the room. You're going to be pissed. And so it's really designed. You can read it front to back, but you can also get in and get out and get the information you need to start feeling better. Because if you have symptoms of hormone imbalance, you needed to feel better yesterday. You don't have time to waste. So you have a detox in the book, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which which I think is really great because a lot of our listeners I know have, um, who are or have been using Uh, birth control who are wanting to get pregnant one of their biggest questions is how long do I have to wait Mm -hmm, so I can actually mm -hmm. get pregnant after after coming off of birth control yeah six months is a must and here's the deal I have always told my patients six months the egg that you ovulate with and you get pregnant with takes 90 days to mature so this is three months okay so when you start taking that prenatal know that that egg is going to be like three months later minimum okay so we got, we've got that window. We need to replenish nutrient stores. We need to make sure we drop inflammation. We need to support gut health altogether. What grows in your gut grows in your vagina, vice versa. They share organisms. There are There's research studies to show if you're inflamed, you're nutrient depleted, or you have issues with the microbial health of your vagina, then you can have harder times conceiving and you may even have higher risk of miscarriage. So we, And that's heartbreaking. We don't want any of that. Now, as I wrote the book, um, it, anybody who's ever written a book knows what I, what I mean when I say it's a boomerang. You send it out, you're like, we're done. It comes right back and then back again. And it just keeps going. Now, I wrote this in the book. Then at the very last iteration, they were like, last chance to add anything, change anything. A study came out showing that women who got pregnant within six months of discontinuing the pill, their children were at higher risk for childhood cancers. And so if you've had a child and you didn't know this, I didn't know this either. You can't hate on yourself for things we don't know. We can hate on science and medicine for introducing birth control, you know, to the general population in the 60s and not answering this question and not looking into these things until 2018. Like, what is that even about? And so that's why, and it was funny because my husband was like, whoa, did you know that? And I'm like, no, how would I know that? I had no idea. But what I observed was, My patients who waited at least six months had an easier time getting pregnant. They also had healthier pregnancies and healthier outcomes, and their postpartum was a lot easier when they did the work in that. So that's why um, there's a whole fertility chapter that takes you through that. That's why I say at least six months. Two years is really ideal, but for some women, they're they're delaying pregnancy. Um, And the reason why two years is ideal is because our food supply is highly nutrient depleted. We are entering into pregnancy more nutrient depleted than ever before. And this is your one shot at growing this organism and really setting the stage for their lifelong health. So um, if you're like, whoa, two years is a long time, I totally feel you. And depending on your age, it might not be realistic. But I also want women to recognize that You shouldn't wait until the very last minute to come off birth control and think that you're going to be able to get pregnant right away. There's a lot we have to answer in terms of does it actually impact our fertility? 
that is dismissed like crazy. And the reason I think that that started being like dismissed when women would question it is because that would have stopped women from starting birth control. The reality is, is there are women who struggle to get pregnant. Was it because birth control was covering up a pre-existing condition? Did birth control impact some system? You know, just by way of how it lowers your CoQ10, so it depletes CoQ10, an antioxidant rich in the ovaries that's, uh, that really uh, protects the mitochondria, which are rich in your ovaries. And your mitochondria protect your eggs, and so they all work together. As we age, our CoQ10 production in our body declines. And this is part of why our eggs get, quote, old. And I hate that. I don't want to be called old. But, you know, in terms of like their, either. their, their advanced <laughs> maturity. Um so with that, you know, we need to be supplementing with CoQ10, but if you're on a medication that depletes that and in addition you're getting older, that could be a problem in getting pregnant. And so these are just things that like I we need to stop dismissing women's stories and start going, "Huh, let's have a little curiosity and humility here because the thing that struck me in my practice like early on when I was making all these birth control connections is how there were all these women who had never talked to each other they didn't know each other, and yet they were saying the same thing. They were reporting the same thing. That doesn't happen unless there's something to that. I, I mean, this phenomenon of women with, uh, like, the Marina IUD, and when they would get it out, and they would all say the same thing. Like, I woke up, and I finally felt like myself, like a fog was lifted, or, like, clouds mm-hmm. parted, or, um, like, you know, I finally, like, you know, came above water. Like, and everybody using the same language Nobody and like and and people will argue like, oh, everybody was on the Internet reading people's stories like that wasn't as big as it is now. okay? (laughs) but it's something where I'm like, we we need to stop back and we really need to question that. So understand that if you are wanting to have a baby, some women can take up to 18 months per the research to start ovulating again. That's a year and a half. So that's a good idea to come off. If you're wanting to have a baby anyways, like. Do, do everything you can not to get pregnant for the first six months. Really build up your body. And then whatever happens, happens. Like, And, and then you can roll with it there. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm, my mind's kind of like going so many I know, places right now. But um, I guess it makes a lot of sense because when you said two years, I was like, wow, that's a long time. But I totally believe in nutritional depletion. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. also, if you're taking birth control, you're pretty much, your body thinks it is pregnant. So it makes sense that all those synthetic I don't, hormones. So I'm going to say, I, I think that is something that your body's not that stupid. I actually say this in my book. Really? Your body's not that stupid. And these hormones aren't the same. So you're bathing in estriol right now, E3. It's a very, like, women who have babies and breastfeed, lower risk of breast cancer. Low, like, why do we have all these benefits? Different hormones. Mm. Not like the synthetic birth control. And so I think it's a disservice. And it's really disrespectful for, like, the amazing thing. And people yeah. who are listening, I'm, like, gesturing at their bodies right now. But <laughs> your bodies are doing right now. And it's also, um, yeah, it's just something that, like, your body's not that stupid. It doesn't think it's pregnant. What's happening is a negative feedback loop. So you're flooding your system with the pill in particular, you're flooding the system with so much hormones. It's And people will say, oh, well, my doctor said it's low dose. Relative to the stuff that killed women in the first trials, yes, it's low dose. But it's still enough that you pop the pill. It goes through your liver. Your liver takes a shot and being like, this is essentially like an environmental toxin, like through the, the liver perspective. And I'm not saying you're taking a toxin every day. That's not what I'm saying. But it's like xenoestrogens that are out there. Your liver's like, we have to detox this. And it still is enough to get through to tell your brain, Don't tell the ovaries to make any hormones because we're good here. We've got all of these hormones. Progesterone that you have in pregnancy, very nourishing for your brain, helps you sleep, helps you cut anxiety down, helps with water retention so that you don't have that. Progestin doesn't do any of that. That's synthetic hormone. That's Mm. man-made. It's made in a lab. It's nothing like the good stuff you make. It's so interesting because that's like what I feel like the myth is, is that's out out there that Mm -hmm. it makes your... I always hear from like my doctor or my Mm -hmm. friends. It's like, oh, well, your body already thinks it's pregnant. Right. Which is so crazy. (laughs) That's so like, that's the cocky aspect of medicine where we're like, we're so smart. Like, look what we do. (laughs) Again, see, like, that's my Tyrion Lannister coming out of like, oh my God. Like, you know, because I've I've fallen into these myths as well. Yeah. I've even perpetuated some of these myths. So this is my like redemption phase where I'm coming back and being like, no, actually what I believed was wrong. And I actually thought that about my body as well. And I thought I was so smart for years to like not even have a period. Like I, I was like, I'm 
a period like a couple times a year. Like whatever. My doctor says it's no big deal. And, you know, when you're on birth control, it's not a real period. You're not ovulating. The endometrial lining isn't building up the same way it does in a natural menstrual cycle. So it's not like you actually need that withdrawal bleed. One concern I have when now they've come out and they're like, oh, those periods aren't necessary that you have on the pill. I'm like, but what about if you're pregnant? How, how will you know? Because these project, so if you are a high risk pregnancy in some instances, we'll give you bioidentical progesterone. So good for maintaining a pregnancy. Um, can have some side effects for baby, but really minimal compared to progestins. Not good for pregnancy, not good for baby. So what if you have this woman that ends up getting pregnant and it isn't until she's like, why am I bloated and what's going on in my lower oh. belly? And oh, snap. How long have I been pregnant for? Because I haven't been taking that withdrawal bleed. So it's something that I'm like, I don't know that we have a really great answer for this right now, but I just know that my 20 something year old self, everybody listening, if I can like teach you all not to do the dumb things that my 20 something year old self (laughs) did, uh, that's what I'm here for. But yeah. And then there was this moment where I was like, this feels really unnatural. This doesn't feel right. Um, I spent 10 years on the pill. The only reason I came off is because when I started it, my doctor said, you have 10 years on this. And once you get to 10 years, the breast cancer risk increases, all of these risks increase. And when I came to 10 years, new doctor said, no, you can go ahead and stay on it. And I asked what research changed. Well, these are lower dose and like no research had really changed. And the idea was that, oh, well, the lower dose, they don't have the risk of breast cancer, but we never had a study to make that statement. And when the research came out, guess what we found out? Nope. Still have the same risk of breast cancer. Everything that we were saying was wrong. So I want people listening to understand that medicine likes to cherry pick and pick and choose evidence-based medicine and the recommendations they make. And when it comes to birth control, we're not getting the full story. And your doctor likely hasn't read the research because that's not what practicing clinicians do. They go to conferences to have the research presented to them, except... Like that means the conference has to step up their game and who's funding the conference and who's in the best interest. And then we're in this place in where women's rights are being threatened left and right, where people are like, don't question birth control because they'll take it away. And I'm like, that doesn't change the fact that you have the right to know. Like the, the I get that like, you know, birth control, I mean, 100%, I'm a first generation college student. Like it definitely helps me in my career. It has helped so many women in their career and graduate college. But that doesn't mean we don't question what are we actually doing to our bodies? What are we actually doing to future generations of women? Because when you've been on birth control and you get pregnant with a gal, with a, with a little girl, her eggs are maturing in your body. You've got three generations right there and there's this history of birth control. Does that make you a bad person? No. Does that mean you should go beat yourself up because you didn't know something? No. But it does mean that we should be asking these questions and we should be opening, open to asking these things. I mean, there's, I make jokes that I'm like, I don't even want to know what those 10 years did to me, um, you know, while I was on it. But then I'm like, no, you need to know. Because when you know, you can prevent things. Right. Yeah, that's really true. Um, one thing that I I uh, brought up at the very beginning that uh, lots of women ask about is um, like low libido. And mm-hmm. that's never something that I thought was a direct result. Oh, it's a direct result. <laughs> <laughs> like I never thought about that, but it totally makes sense. Yeah. So how do you how do you get your libido back? How do you I mean, how do you get all the juices flowing down there again? Yeah, well, let's talk about what happens. And um, I share all about my vagina in my book, which was, um, I think, the funniest. It, it like went in, went out, went in, went out. I was like having moments where I was like, I don't want to talk about my vagina in my own book. But then I was like, girl, practice what you preach. Because I tell people all the time, share your story because you never know who's going to heal when they hear it. Mm-hmm. So with hormonal birth control, the younger you start it, the more likely you are to have pain with intercourse and um, develop conditions that can lead to just pain inserting a tan on altogether. Mm -hmm. So we see pain with intercourse, uh, chronic yeast infections, which can lead to chronic inflammation happening in the vagina itself. Women can lose the ability to orgasm or they can have (gasps) pain with orgasm. So Mm. you actually achieve it and then it hurts. Like, what is that? So The latest side effect ever of like, oh, and by the way, forget that oxytocin. Um, Yeah. So But with that, we can also see lack of libido. It is one of the most commonly reported side effects. It's the sneaky way of how birth control really works is that you take it so you don't get pregnant and hold up, you don't even want to have sex. And Ah. it hurts if you have sex. And then these neuronal pathways kind of get solidified to where you start becoming, because you're an organism, right? You're going to be afraid of pain. You're going to move away from pain. So now you're disinterested. Now your partner, if you're with a male partner, 
I, I don't, I'm not in a same sex relationship, so I can't speak to that. My personal experience is with a male partner and that he gets where he like, you know, men are like, oh my God, something's wrong with me and you're not into me. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's not about you. It's about my hormones and what's going on in my body. So what's up with this loss of libido? Well, Number one is hormonal birth control can shut down ovarian production of testosterone by as much as 50%. So every single hormone that you make is really good. It just needs to be in balance. So mm. when it's out of balance, since we have problems too much, because women will hear testosterone, they're like, I'll lose my hair or get acne or be manly or like rage out. And I, I'm like, I mean, you guys are in LA. I'm like, all you gotta do is be in LA traffic. You might rage out. Like <laughs> it doesn't mean it's your testosterone. Um, but you know, you need to have a healthy amount of testosterone. It's not only libido, it's also brain health, mental health. If you are crying all the time, you're fatigued throughout the entire day, your kick-ass stamina is gone. That's probably testosterone. Now, in addition to that, whatever you do make uh, gets gobbled up by this protein called sex hormone binding globulin, which is due to you taking birth control and it altering the genetic expression within your liver. So let that sink in. You're taking this birth control and it's altering your genetics in your liver so that you exp- express higher amounts of sex hormone binding globulin. I see light bulbs. Do oh, we need man. to stop and talk? No, 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 no. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just thinking about all the things. Yeah, totally. So with that, that protein grabs onto testosterone. If your doctor is testing total hormones, it's nice to know total, total hormones, but you don't use those. You need to know free hormones. And so they're usually all gobbled up while you're on birth control. Now, the research, and I talk about this in my book, looked at, okay, so let's measure women who've never been on birth control. Let's measure women who are on birth control. Okay. Women who have never been on it have lower levels of sex hormone binding globulin. What about when these women come off of birth control? Oh, even years later, these levels don't return to the pre-pill state. So what is that telling us? That that genetic alteration stuck, like Mm -hmm. it altered you. And, And the research is like, this is likely permanent. However, we know about epigenetics now, and no, it's not permanent. We've been able to reverse this in my clinic with the same protocols that are in my book. And all the protocols you'll find in my book have been, and let's just praise my patients, tested through my patients. They were so good at tracking their data, and it's humans, real people. This is not theory. This is me. Woman has a problem. I go into the research. I develop a protocol, develop a hypothesis. We test it. We come. She comes back. We see if it's true. And when it comes to getting your libido back, you know, everybody wants to jump right to like, how do we fix those sex hormones? Really, it's about let's get into that liver detox, which is what you brought up. If you're on birth control now, you I recommend that women go through a liver detox every three to four months. So they're really taking care of their liver. Not only does it alter at the genetic level, structural level changes as well. So you can end up with benign tumors. So that means they're not cancerous, but they're prone to rupture and bleed. And there's a lot of blood going, going through your liver. So this is no joke. And also... You don't really need to have anything messing with your liver being able to do its job. Your liver does like everything. If you if you don't know what your liver does, like that's, we could talk two hours about what your liver does. It's very, very important. So with that, in the liver detox you get into my book, I do have detox supplements that I use. So I have my paleo detox, which is my preferred for everybody because it's a bone broth based, which will also help with healing up the intestines and encouraging that. Birth control causes leaky gut. So we want to make sure that we're we're taking care of that. Um, but we also have a, a plant-based detox. Those are for the vegans that I'm like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Like, if that's your, I'm going to respect you in that. Uh, but with that, it's not just about supplements. And I want women to understand that. Like I, what we formulated is to basically load up what you need, what you're missing from birth control. And it has herbs that have been shown to actually regenerate hepatocytes, liver cells. So things like milk thistle in it. But my entire protocol and book, it really falls back on my foundation of a nutritional biochemist. We start with food first. And so that's really, you'll find the first two weeks of the meal plan is all focused on how do we give the liver everything it needs to do its job. Cruciferous vegetables, you have to chew it really well, have stomach acid available so you can make DIM, which is going to help with liver detoxification. Complete amino acids are also going to come in, B vitamins as well. Your liver requires all of these things as well as like garlic. And uh, as we talk about libido, yes, you got to eat your garlic, but just have your partner eat it too. It's actually a great libido food. It's great for the liver and it's great for your libido because it can actually help with blood flow. And I have a a whole, for women who are like, tell me more about the libido stuff. I've got like the top 10, like David Letterman style of benefits of orgasms. And I also have a list of foods that can help boost your libido in there as well. And you'll see a lot of these things come into that two-week liver detox. And taking care of your liver is like 
everything when it comes to getting your libido back, which is really counterintuitive for so many people. They're like, wait, my liver's a sexy organ. Oh, hell yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I go through all of that in the book. And if you are wanting to know about lab testing, I, I have all of that there for you as well. So you can get that done. That's amazing. I, I didn't know that much about the liver. I have a question too, <laughs> wow. just because um, currently where I'm at in my life, but I'm about to have a baby and I, <clears throat> I'm i a little bit worried about the nutritional depletion and postpartum depression, especially this being my second child. My daughter's only 21 months, mm-hmm. so they're close in age. And I just feel like a different shift. I've been much more emotional this pregnancy. I've had a lot more anxiety this pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so... Would a diet like that be beneficial to me as well, postpartum? Oh yeah, and you. So whether you're pregnant or postpartum, you can eat. You can eat in the in the protocol. Like everything is totally fine. It's not going. It's not the kind of detox. Like there are detoxes out there that are like, let's push detox really hard. Which is when people are like, I want to vomit. I have a headache. My skin's breaking out. I feel terrible. That's not my style. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. let's <laughs> facilitate what you because your body does detox on its own. We don't have to force anything. We just need to give it everything it needs and love it up right. So. You can totally do that. Um, the other thing I was going to say about postpartum, I should have brought you my first book. If I didn't get up at like, well, my son actually woke me up at four o'clock in the morning. He's six. But I was up and I was trying to be a mom. Uh, I would My first book's on postpartum health. And oh, so, fantastic. Yeah, it's called Healing Your Body Naturally After Childbirth. Because after I went through childbirth, I was like, wait a minute. There's all these dang books about pregnancy. And seriously, pregnancy is like a cakewalk compared to postpartum. Um, And when I was, and I'm like, yeah, when I had a baby, I was like, why is there not a postpartum book? Mm -hmm. So I wrote a postpartum book and I wrote it so it's thin enough to fit in your diaper bag and be with you. And it so gets to to the point because I hated, I don't know, there's books out there that like women loved and they recommended to me. And it was like, fluff, 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 fluff. Let's talk about our feelings. Again, Tyrion Lannister, not into that. (laughs) I'm like, I got a problem. I need a solution. And so that's how that, like, you guys will see this theme of like, yeah, we we just want to give solutions. But um, eating nutrient-dense foods is definitely a must. And if you can incorporate Ofal, which is like bone broth, um, having bone marrow, liver, beef heart, I have to tell you, like I was a vegetarian for 10 years and I just, I still think organ meats are so gross, but my son mouths them down only because we've always had them. And I'm like, okay, suck it up, eat it. You have to demonstrate. But taking 25% of beef heart, like grass-fed beef heart, going to the butcher saying, grind it up with like 75% grass-fed beef and make it into a burger is like the tastiest burger you'll ever have. And it's one of the best sources of CoQ10. And Mm -hmm. CoQ10 is going to feed the mitochondria, which are also concentrated in your brain. So that can help as well in terms of... Of postpartum and you're 100% right I mean 20 month old 21 month old and you're in your third trimester that's really close together breastfeeding is incredibly nutrient depleting more so than being pregnant and um you, you should be anxious that's not an abnormal thing because and I'm not saying like you should be anxious but like you have a 21 month old you're pregnant here you are with a podcast like you're doing all of these things and you live in a society that isn't we don't have our tribe anymore it's not conducive to mothering yes <laughs> definitely agree on that too um well i think we've just scratched the surface on all of your knowledge <laughs> and wisdom and information but i do want people to know where they can go to find both books now now that i know you have the second book too because this book i'm definitely going to check out so where can we find your books Yeah, well, you can find them on Amazon, of course, or you can go to drbrighton.com. The books are listed there as well. If you grab Beyond the Pill, I've got a bunch of gratitude gifts for you because if you grab this book, then you're putting your hand up and saying, I'm gonna be brave. I'm gonna be part of this change we need in women's medicine. And it's at beyondthepillbook.com. We've got a lab guide in there. We've got more recipes for you because I'm totally a foodie. And we've also got exclusive interviews on topics that go a lot deeper than really what I was able to discuss in the book. Like, how do you talk to your teenage daughter about all of this? And, you know, what about the sure method and this that interview is cool because we recorded that before that got pulled by the FDA so it's a really good one to listen to um, and of course at drbrighton.com there are a ton of resources I you know put out articles videos uh, weekly I'm on Instagram at drjoleenbrighton.com no not .com just drjoleenbrighton <laughs> um, I actually just posted about libido this morning and I'm getting so many messages about that as it is so that's where I hang out and then you can also find videos on YouTube because I know we all learn differently so depending on what you need I've got the information to support you because we really need to make change in women's medicine and the way I see it is is we put the medicine in women's hands and they will be the change makers that we need you know what I love 
I love my cat. But you know what I don't love about cats? I don't like cleaning up their litter box, which is actually why I send Evan to do it now. And he loves me even more because I have switched to Arm & Hammer cloud control litter. There's no cloud of like nasties when he scoops up and it's 100% dust free. It's free of heavy perfumes. It helps reduce airborne dander from scooping. So what happens in the litter box stays in the litter box. You're welcome, Evan. That's new cloud control cat litter by Arm & Hammer. More power to you. Man, she had interesting things to say. So much stuff I had no idea about. I I felt like I was sitting in a college course and I was like, I'm going to definitely fail this class, but she is really smart. <laughs> <laughs> You're like scrambling to take notes as fast as you can yeah. because there's so much information. And like, I know she's looking at me and she's like, that girl's going to get a 40 on this test for sure. <laughs> but she's trying really hard and I at least appreciate that. Like, that's kind of how I felt. She has so much knowledge. I know. Well, I guess that's why she wrote a book about it. And at least you have the book now to access all that. That's true. As a and, reference. Um, yeah, she has two books out. I'm so excited to uh, read her uh, postpartum book. That's, I mean, that's the one that I am too, because I am so passionate about postpartum and just how it's not talked about enough and how much it affects us. And to have that, like, resource that, you know, maybe my nutrition's not quite right or whatever. Right. Something that can help me balance my hormones because I do fear postpartum depression. And I did have postpartum anxiety with Emmy. Right. So I'm trying to be proactive. Yeah, totally. Um, this time around. So I'm not, like, caught in the, swept up, swept up in all that. Even right. though I do think baby blues are totally normal. Yeah. yeah but yeah. it's still, it's still so hard. Yeah. And- one thing I watch like the Today Show and Good Morning America every morning it gives me life. Um, but they, I do feel like uh, they are talking about postpartum more. Yes, than they used to, which is really good. Even uh, was it? I think it was like Alanis Morissette or something that came out lately talking about postpartum depression because she's having another baby, mm. and um, it, it's just I'm just glad people are talking about it. Yeah, and that there are tools and resources out there so we feel like we're not hopeless. Totally. Because we can talk about it, you know, more, and that helps, but oh, also, like, what do we, we do? We need tools. Yeah, we need tools. So it's great when people like um, Dr. Brighton come on or even just people who have more, like you said, like Good Morning America, people are speaking about it, so I think yeah. that's great. Um, I do want to jump into our affirmation for the week. Yes. Okay, so... The affirmation for this week is, I honor my body by trusting the signals that it sends me. I do feel like we are living in such a fast-paced world that we don't take time to be like, oh, wow, my body is saying this. I really need to listen to that. And, And the times that you take and you slow down, and like if you're feeling a pain or something and you really listen to that, I really feel like, I like... Before I knew that I was allergic to gluten, I was having so many problems. And one day I slowed down. I was like, what is going on in my body? This sounds really crazy. And I heard my body say, you need to stop eating gluten. And I was like, what the heck is gluten? Like, I didn't even know what it was. And like, I mean, that's like a really extreme response. I, but <laughs> I, like, I believe it though. I, I'm not, I, don't, I don't think you're crazy. I think but, it's funny, but I don't think it's crazy. I, mean, I was also leaving church when I used to go to church. But I, I mean, really, I was like, what is that? Let me do some research. And that's totally changed my body. So I think when you're in tune and you actually listen and you honor your body and you trust the signals it's giving you, it can really change your life. Yeah, I agree. Totally. I sound like a cuckoo, what I just no. said, but it's okay. I think I, because the, the logical side of us wants to say that's cuckoo. Right. But especially as women, as Dr. Brighton talked about, we have crazy intuition. Totally. And we need to trust it, like you yeah. said. So I do think that there's a lot of power in that saying. So yeah, take time to slow down and listen to what your body is telling you because it really is trying to heal itself and let you know how Word. to do it. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We love you. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.